You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in to DMVR Fantasy Live, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app in the United States, in the United States, and the official betting partner of DNVR. Uh, if you guys haven't joined us betting yet, why not? Now's the time. The NFL's coming back. Uh, we were talking a lot today about which bets to go with, and uh, maybe we'll have some tips for you guys going forward. Um, Stay tuned to that and definitely download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I'm joined, as always, by Andre Simone and Guy Casavan. And uh, today, we have a bunch of things we want to talk about regarding week one. Uh, We've all put together the guys we love, the guys we hate, what we're most excited to see out of the first week and what we're trying to learn. And we're going to be digging into all of that, as well as uh, some of your guys' questions. But first... We got to cover the news of the week. And uh, the big news is that Adrian Peterson is a Detroit Lion. Uh, What does this mean, Dre? Uh, We're going to talk about this later. I've proposed kind of an insane award for not necessarily the player we like least going into a week, but um, like kind of a unit we're most interested in staying away and the Lions running back unit might be uh most so dude this is terrible for deandre swift for carry on johnson um he's been very very silent about it but i know that um like quietly producer guy has really enjoyed that this has happened and that our guys swift and carry on are just getting like absolutely embarrassed um you know i i won't go into any nasty analogies but uh i I feel like guy is is doing some odell beckham related stuff to us with what's happened to adrian peterson and this lions running back share it's a complete (laughs) stay away from me um you know we like the lions passing attack their running attack not so much and adding adrian peterson might be good it won't be great though any thoughts Um, guy not great is uh, an understatement. <laughs> I mean, I've been out on not just like that running back group, but that team ever having a running game ever. Uh, and this is just confirmation of that for me. So if anything, this just bolsters my belief in the wide receivers for the Lions, uh, mm. both Marvin Jones and Michael Gallup. 
uh, TJ Hawkinson um, to a, uh, a corollary extent. Uh, and then Matt Stafford as a quarterback, I just think he's just going to be having to throw a lot. So yeah. uh, as a passing offense in general, that's it's one that I want a piece of, and it's a running back core that I want nothing to do with. So yeah, that's, that's my thoughts, man. Some really bad news for anybody who has DeAndre Swift. Really bad. Um, <laughs> wow, a couple, that, I know that, my voice just killed your throat. Oh yeah, I don't know what it was. I think it was <laughs> laughing at your OBJ joke. It just like destroyed it. Um, it's back now though, which is perfect because it's time to get to the other pieces of news. New contracts for both DeAndre Hopkins and Alvin Kamara, and then uh, just today, Kareem Hunt got a uh, two-year extension as well. Uh, I'll throw it out this way. Uh, which of these contracts uh, are you reading the most into in terms of fantasy this season? Yeah, I think it has to be Kamara. I'm disappointed in all of us for not having a drop right now uh, of show me the money. That should be like a built-in That's segment true. right now. That's we really true. missed an opportunity here. <laughs> uh, but no, it's Kamara all the way. I, I think like Hopkins, we kind of knew this was coming. You don't trade for Hopkins unless there was like an extension uh, attached and coming after that. Uh, pretty encouraging for Kareem Hunt. I know once again, big week in the news segment for our guy guy. Uh, but yeah, Kamara, this had owners freaked out right during most of the fantasy drafts were going on is when there was most uncertainty about Alvin Kamara. Now he's got his contract as a, we like to say, follow the money. And finally you've got some stability with Kamara. You don't have to worry about touches being limited or him being eased out. You can be nice and easy, but this is a big sign for Kareem Hunt and kind of scares me for Nick Chubb. Really? I see. I, I can't quite get there because Nick Chubb, when you watch him is just such a good running back. And maybe oh, that amazing. means that like, they're just planning to let him walk, but he still has, I guess only right. one more year after this year on that deal. I think he's at least two, Chubb. right? Two. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't, that one surprises me, but I know that Kareem Hunt is one of Guy's guys, and so I'm curious uh, what you're thinking right now, Guy. Yeah, not a, not as a person necessarily, but as a player, yes. Um, okay. I mean, Good clarification. Is, yeah. Right. Important. Yeah. This yes. is classic follow the money. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to comment on what I think it may or may not mean for Nick Chubb, but yeah. Kareem Hunt obviously is a piece that they want to have around uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, again. This isn't just him as a running back, but he's getting trained uh, in the wide receiver position as well. So um, they figure to feature him in this offense a lot. Um, obviously, there's OBJ, there's Landry, um, and then they just signed uh, Austin Hooper as well. Right. So there are some other pass catchers to contend with. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, this is a new offense. And, you know, when you shake things up like that, you don't really know how things are going to actually, you know, pan out. But at the same time, this is really the first guy that's getting paid by that new offense. So um, it's obvious that they want to use him a lot, however it may be. So whether it's catching passes, where whether it's just getting standard, you know, out of the backfield running the ball, uh, he's going to be touching the ball a lot. And, you know, it's going to add up to fancy points. So for a guy that uh, most people were able to get in, I don't know, let's say like the sixth, seventh round, uh, that's going to equate to, a huge return on that, I think. So, yeah, Browns have got rid of Antonio Callaway, Rashard Higgins not getting much production. They've got two tight ends 
two running backs and two stud receivers. It won't be that conventional 11 personnel, three wide outs that everyone else uses in Cleveland. I think we're going to see some more tweaks and it'll be really interesting to see how they use Kareem Hunt. here. Agreed. Uh, we've got one more piece of news. Um, and that is that Marlon Mack was declared the starter in Indianapolis. Um, Big. Let's just dig Sweet. in now. Big. Let's yeah. just dig in now. I think that, you know, obviously the competition, uh, the primary competition, I guess, was Jonathan Taylor, but yep. they also have Naheem Hines. Like, this is a very deep backfield. And my question for you guys is, does this mean that Marlon Mack is going to be somebody worth starting? Or is he just the lead back in a potential three-headed monster? <laughs> I mean, this is going to be one of those where you can play the schedule early on and there'll be some there'll be some easy pickings for, you know, Phil, I, I think we all don't expect Phil Rivers to do much. And this team's the Colts offense to really be driven by the running game with, you know, guys like Quentin Nelson and that O-line leading the way. And I think Marlon Mack could really benefit. I really like him as a back, too. So he might be really nice value in this first half of the season. Look, Marlon Mack has a ton of talent. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor has a ton of talent as well. I mean, you guys know that very well doing the uh, draft pod there. Um, but if you don't have to play your rookie running back early, then why would you, right? Like, Marlon Mack has enough talent, and he's been integrated into this system that they don't need to, especially in a shortened offseason and everything else, jump the gun on Jonathan Taylor, and they can really take their time. So at least early in the season... I see Marlon Mack having a huge role in this offense and really repaying uh, fantasy owners that drafted him in those later rounds. You know, we'll see down the stretch how things pan out. Um, obviously, you don't go out and draft a guy like Jonathan Taylor for no reason. Um, so they want to get him integrated in this offense in some way. Uh, it, we'll see if it's a committee um, or if he just straight up takes over, if they do that hot hand approach and they see just how good he is and he yeah. takes over. But at least for the first, I'd say, six to eight weeks, Marlon Mack is really going to be getting the bulk of touches in that backfield. And he's a guy that can catch the ball as well. Yes. And we all know how Phillip Rivers likes to dump off the ball to his running backs. So I yep. think Marlon Mack is going to be one of the biggest names out of fantasy in these first couple weeks. And if you're somebody who owns Marlon Mack in one of your leagues, here would be my advice. Watch all of his games. I know it's really tempting to like flip around because there's so much going on. If you're picking one of your fantasy players to follow, follow Marlon Mack because you want to know what it looks like. Does it look like Jonathan Taylor is starting to get the the better opportunities and, and maybe you're sensing a shift toward him becoming the lead back? And in that case, maybe you try to sell Marlon Mack high before word slips out. Yeah. Make sure you're paying attention to what's going on in that backfield if you own him, because I think that this is one where you're going to see some fluctuations throughout the season. Yeah, his receiving value is going to play a big part in this in PPR leagues. As mm -hmm. a guy was saying, I think that's a huge advantage for him in this race with JT just because of uh, how Philip Rivers is going to benefit from just those dump offs. So, yeah, man, that's an interesting one. As an RB3 and flex, even an RB2 for some, he's uh, he's going to be a valuable asset early in the season. I know that we prioritized him in one league we had, Hank. Now we're finally looking kind of good while we, we took a gamble taking Mac over someone like Jonathan Taylor. So, Yeah, it's true. Um, let's jump in now to the guys who we uh, like in week one. And this is going to be something we do every week is talking through 
who has the best matchups, who we're staying away from, and trying to touch on some of the guys who maybe are, you know, potential flex players, like a fringe flex player, fringe RB2, um, guys who you might be making some tough decisions about. Right. Um, Yeah, I mean, week one, right? Like, there's a lot of guys where we know, like, if you have this guy on your roster, like, if you have Christian McCaffrey on your roster – you know, he. I don't care if he's playing the 85 Bears. Week one, you're starting him because you drafted yep. him first overall. Uh, so we're trying to focus more on, as you were saying, the are those fringe RB twos, those fringe wide receiver twos, those flex plays, those kind of guys. Maybe you know, maybe you're streamlining your uh, your your tight ends, your defenses, your kickers. Mm-hmm. We're trying to focus in on that and give you some options. Uh, week one where you can get creative in your deeper leagues and we, you'll have questions specific about specific cases as well so man i can't believe football's back i'm i'm so angry yeah. two days i'm so excited days. i'm so excited i can see it baby. I, can see. <laughs> I know it's amazing amazing all right guy can I we see so uh the guys we love there yeah. we go um just running through those it doesn't look like there's too much overlap. You guys are both on Miles Sanders. I thought the same thing, but didn't include him um, just because I thought he was somebody who would just start. But uh, I would agree there. Um, do you guys want to start by talking about why you included Miles Sanders? Yeah, Miles Sanders is almost worthy of an asterisk too because there are, I think Miles Sanders of all the top 15 running backs is the biggest question going into week one because there are some injury concerns going on. It seems like he's practicing. The Eagles only kept three running backs on their roster, which seems to be a very encouraging sign. But his status is up in the air for this game. Still, he's playing, you know, the the former, the, the artist formerly known as the Washington Redskins. Uh, I, I expect the... <laughs> Ron Rivera to, you know, have that defense playing a lot better. And, you know, those dudes are that's Alabama North, you know, the way they've drafted, especially defensively. They've got some real talent on that defensive front. So I wouldn't overlook them. Then again, week one against the Eagles should be one where the Eagles are able to kind of pile up the score. The running game should be heavily focused. And if Miles Sanders is healthy, I think he's a top 10 running back play. Now, the caveat here is if he's not, Boston Scott all of a sudden becomes a really, really fascinating play here in week one. So if he's sitting on your bench, all of a sudden you got to consider him in your flex spot or what have you. So now Sanders is in there with the caveat of you got to monitor this because it might be Miles Sanders or you might be a Boston Scott owner. One way or another, you really got to stay on top of this this week. Yeah, I mean, I think Dre nailed it there. Um, really just the core things for me when choosing this were uh, the fact that the wide receiver core for the Eagles is just so banged up and Washington's defense figures to be so bad. Uh, the only way I see the Eagles game planning for this game is just ground and pound and controlling. Um, mm-hmm. And yep. whether it's just standard running the ball or you need some help throwing the ball out of the backfield for Carson Wentz with that bad offensive line, uh, even if for some reason they were desperate for certain scores, they would still be leaning on Miles Sanders for that as well. Uh, and I think, you know, between target share and just touch share in general, he's going to figure into this a lot. Obviously, like Dre said, uh, his his status is a little bit up in the air, but uh, I don't think they would throw him out there right away in a matchup like this if they weren't confident that he was ready to go. So 
I think that says everything that I need to know in order to start him this week. Not to mention more injuries at wide receiver for the Eagles, so they'll be focused oh on God. the run game more. And the Red... I need to stop saying that, but I'm going to say it a thousand times this season. The Washington football team also last year, the second worst defense in the entire NFL against the run, allowing over 146 rushing yards per game. So yep. one way or another, I'm buying into the Eagles backfield. I like yeah. it. Uh, can we see the graphic again? Yeah, let's go. All right. Uh, let's just start at the top of the list now. Michael Gallup, Dre, what's up with him? Oh, yeah. So I'm I'm I don't want to say too, 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 too much to not spoil my hate section. Uh, but, you know, the <laughs> the Cowboys uh, potent offense is facing off against the, the Rams defense, which has some really high end elite talents in arguably the best shutdown corner in the league and Jalen Ramsey and uh, Aaron Donald, uh, just the the indomitable force down low though i know there was some real controversy on nfl twitter about whether aaron donald's good at defending the run uh i won't touch that but anyways i follow along on that um so yeah uh, gallup though will be able to feast on the second and third corners on this uh lowly rams defense which i think is going to struggle to stop all the weapons the cowboys have and one of those weapons will benefit most is the csu product yeah, makes sense to me. Uh, who's up next? Let's pull it up. Well, for me, it's going to be DJ Chark. All right. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So the Jags are one team I'm looking at heavily this season um, for just like a whether you're playing with them or playing against them sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're going to be involved in a lot of shootouts. So uh, in terms of when you talk about like streaming defenses and things like that, I'm always going to be streaming a defense against them. Um, but at the same time, I think that they're going to be playing catch-up a lot of the time as well. Um, so now that Leonard Fournette is gone and they're starting a rookie running back in week one, who I don't remember his first name, but his last name's Robinson, uh, really, like, they're going to lean on consistency in this game to try and stay in it. And they're, I think they're going to be playing catch-up, like I said before. Um, so they're going to be throwing the ball a lot, and DJ Chark is the consistency for them. He really, I mean, obviously they drafted LaVisca Chenault, but he still he hasn't had a lot of time to integrate into that offense as a rookie. So between a rookie wide receiver two and a rookie running back, uh, you've got to lean on Chark in this game to try and make it competitive. Um, and he and Gardner Minshew already have rapport, so uh, I haven't even gotten to the part where DJ Chark has a ton of talent, and he sees a lot of work in yeah. the red zone because yeah. they don't have any, you know, any reputable tight end going on there. Um, I just see DJ Chark having a blow-up game in this one. Um, and it's not even going to happen in the first half. It's probably going to all happen in the second half when they're playing from behind. It's like those old days with Blake Bortles when he would get you all those garbage time points. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like a throwback to that, but it's Gardner true. Minshew version of that. So I just see DJ well, Chark having a big week this week. Chark is one of those guys we talked about, boomer, bust, feast, or famine in their production. So you're, you'll want to start Shark like nine weeks this year. You're going to have to be good in guessing which nine weeks because he's going to go off for like 25, 30 in some of these games. This is one of those. And I, um, I've got some stats where the clear number one target on the opponent facing the Colts scored an average of 19 points per game last year. So they're a good uh, team to feast on. Their cornerbacks don't seem to be too talented. The one question is... Yeah. 
Xavier Rhodes was added to their team, right? Opposite Rocky Sin. So if Rhodes can be the guy who was like two years ago, okay, maybe he can shut down Shark. He's the dude we saw last year in Minnesota. Forget it. Shark's going to blow him up. So that's yeah, an interesting he fell one. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like you were saying, um, the Colts don't have a bad defense necessarily. I'd say it's like, you know, slightly above average. Mm-hmm. Um, but where they really shine is in run defense um, and, you know, uh, pass rush. So their secondary, especially when you're trying to play from behind like that, their secondary is one where you can you can start to feast on that. So uh, wide receivers are gonna they're gonna have their chances against that defense versus you know rookie running back. That's something that you know I think Chris Thompson will get his catches, but I'm not sure if there'll really be uh, production there that you want to bet on. So yeah. DJ Chark is why I put him on this list. All right, uh, I've got uh, Chris Carson up top at the top of my list. And uh, the reason why is that he is going to benefit from the fact that so many of these other running backs have question marks. I think that you look at the groups around the league. You know, we talked about the Lions, and we don't really know what's going on there. Same thing happening in Washington. Same thing happening in Tampa. Same thing happening in so many backfields across the NFL. Meanwhile, in Seattle, yeah, Denver, there's another one. Mm -hmm. In Seattle, Chris Carson, who's a guy who was drafted in a spot typically where you'd expect him to be like maybe running back two flex option. And uh, until you start to see guys solidify their roles in these other offenses and kind of become, uh, you know, real guys that you trust to, to do uh, like make per- consistent production. I think that you have to go with Chris Carson, especially against the Falcons defense that I'm really not in love with. You know, they have a couple guys up front in that front seven who you like, but they were a bottom 10 rushing defense last year. I think that this is going to be a high scoring game. Just running through like the over underlines. Uh, shout out DraftKings Sportsbook. Only two games are supposed to be higher scoring than this one. And I do think that that just plays even more into Chris Carson's hands. To me, he's just an underrated running back who is very consistent and he can get the job done until we start to see things settle down everywhere else in the league. Don't be taking shots on guys like Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, even even Adrian Peterson, Leonard Fournette. If you have somebody like Chris Carson, you can just throw in there. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, let's see. Moving along. Uh, let's go Dre's next one. Ben Roethlisberger. That's an interesting <sighs> call. I'm just buying the whole Steelers passing game. I mean, dude, the, the Giants ended up cutting DeAndre Baker. That's been yeah. just a disastrous situation. Um, I, I think a lot of people I know, and I know a lot of people who know their football. Um, I don't know how many of my colleagues or acquaintances could name a, a cornerback on the Giants roster. Um, so whether it's Juju Smith, whether it's Deontay Johnson mm-hmm. um, and Big Ben, I think those are all guys that are going to outperform uh, their rankings going into the week by five to ten spots pretty easily. Just because, you know, this is a defense that doesn't scare me much as far as creating pass rush and certainly doesn't scare me in the secondary and, uh, you know, I, I I think the Steelers' defense is very talented and um, it will kind of put the clamps down and offer plenty of extra possessions to the Steelers as well. So I just see this as a, a high-scoring game and an easy win for the Steelers to blow them out and for the, the aerial attack to really put it on them. Yeah, that makes sense to me. You know, 
I, I'm not totally sold on Ben Roethlisberger. You know, he is 37. At some point, the decline is going to come. He missed last year, and so maybe that decline really was last year. So this is almost like double the chance in my mind of this being the year where everything really does slow down for him. And for that reason, I'm kind of hesitant for the first couple of weeks until I see it. But it's the Giants. You know, like he's got to be able to put up points against the Giants. Yep. Yeah. yeah. E even without the great athleticism and arm talent, you can beat the Giants with just IQ and the talent the Steelers have. So even if Big Ben isn't back, I think this could be a game where he makes it look easier and maybe is a bit of a mirage. Even. All right. Yeah, I think that what we were talking earlier about, you know, where we think teams will finish within the season. Uh, down the stretch, I think the Steelers will really hit a wall, but early in this season, they're going to come out gunning. So I can see mm -hmm. Ben, you know, he'll have a decent game. I don't know if I would want to play him in fantasy necessarily because it seems like one of those ones where they'll get up early and then sort of kind of just control the game because that's what Mike Tomlin likes to do sure. is just ground and pound to really, you know, run the clock out and just control the game at the end. Um, sort of like the flip of what the Jaguars will do. Um so from a fantasy perspective, I think there is a little bit of a ceiling on there just because I think they'll get out early, but I can see him having a decent game. All right. Uh, let's jump back to this list again. Um, I'll go with Marlon Mack. This will be a quick one um, because we basically already covered it. He's yeah. now the starting back. You know going into week one that he is the lead guy. It's kind of what we anticipated, but he's another one of these running backs where I just trust the role, and I think that you can uh, – Play him and be happy with uh, the decision, even if it turns out to be a rough week, even if that offense isn't what it needs to be uh, to, to win games with Phillip Rivers this early on. Yeah. I still think that it's a pretty clear-cut call, especially against the Jaguars in a game that if things go the way that I expect them to go, like I was kind of saying about the Steelers, they're going to be running the ball a lot, and I think mm -hmm. that a lot of those touches go to Marlon Mack. Yeah, totally. What's with your love of Montgomery Cohen here? Uh, so mostly I just am not bought in on the lions defense. Um, you know, it was kind of crazy looking through the stats because I was spending a lot of time looking at the lions today because the NFC West or the NFC North to me is one of the more interesting divisions in all of football. And that lions defense was not what you would expect after knowing that like Patricia's in charge there and, you know, they they was they had their worst scoring year defensively since 2012 for, for that organization. Uh, the, the run defense was particularly rough. Uh, losing snacks is just going to make everything worse in the middle. And I just, uh, I, I, I like the running game here. I think that that's what the Bears want to do. I think that this is going to be maybe a little bit more of a low scoring game. Um, but what's Montgomery's status in this one? Uh, see, that's why it's up in the air. Um, that's why Cohen oh, okay. is there just okay, in case okay. it's him playing. He's okay. still, I think he has like some sort of mystery injury. Uh, when they release the first like practice report tomorrow, right. I think they have to say what exactly the injury is. I think that's the one that's been called a tweak, but we don't really know what's going on. Um, again, okay, so I'm just looking this for is running a backs Miles Sanders, Boston Scott situation. We're yes. monitoring this closely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I mean, I'm looking right now the the over under right now for points on the uh, the Bears and Lions right now is set at 43 and a half, so that is a little bit on the low side. Um, mm -hmm. But personally, I don't know, man. I would take the over on that. Like I said, I think that the running back situation for 
the Lions is kind of, I don't know, sketchy to say the least. And I think they're, mm-hmm. like the Steelers, they're going to come out gunning, airing the ball out, and the Bears are going to be having to play from behind, and it's going to end up maybe a little bit lopsided, but at the same time, I think it's going to be higher scoring. So I don't, I don't know if Montgomery and Cohen are even going to really – see that many touches personally when they're trying to play catch up but that's just me yeah that's fair well i i don't know at the same time like i still see this as a game that is a pretty true toss-up i guess they have the bears on DraftKings sportsbook at plus 128 you look through the history though recently and and you know i was running through like the records over the course of the last couple years and basically the the bears have won two-thirds of their games the lines have lost two-thirds like you can say they win every game that uh stafford is out and just say, like, if he's in, they would have won, and they still have a better... I, I think that this Bears team is underrated. I think that they're buying into that defensive identity because they have the defense. I think they're going to be running the ball a lot. Yeah, I, I'm offended by this line personally, man. I know. I am I'm, I'm, I'm big hopes for the Lions this year, especially in fantasy, because I think they're just going to be running a, a ton of plays. Uh, and I think they're going to be better than people expect, especially the they're way they started last season. They're favored against the Bears. If we're talking by three points... And this is in Detroit, so that means that you get an automatic three points for playing at home. So that means they're but counting no them crowd. as even teams. They're counting yeah. them as even teams, though. Yeah. But like to me, the Bears are horrible, man. The Bears to me are going to be at least one of the bottom ten, if not one of the bottom five teams in the league. Yeah, I'm, just, I, I'm personally that, insulted by it. I mean, the, 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 the lines where doing, we all disagree. The yeah, NFC the lines were doing things get chaotic. The Lions were doing so well last year before Stafford went down. So when he's in when he's in the game, which obviously that's a concern, but when he is, this team is a lot better than people are getting them credit for. So I see this being higher scoring, and I see the Lions winning by a lot more than three points. Yeah. But, but. you know, speaking of three, that's how many games the Lions won last year. So <laughs> there is that. <laughs> that's why there's not yeah, much respect Stafford here. only played like yeah. six. Yeah. Well, yeah. anyway. True. Meanwhile, the oh, Packers well. won 13 games last year, and people are still sleeping on them. Yikes. Yeah, but we I'll can talk about that later. We'll terrible. talk about that later. Um, okay, what's the list showing? Evan Ingram is next guy up from Guy. Why do you like yeah. him? Yeah. Uh, well, right now we've got, uh, let's see, Golden Tate with a quad injury. We have an undisclosed injury on Darius Slayton, and we all know that Sterling Shepard had, has had his issues staying on the field, so the ball has to go somewhere. Uh, Evan Ingram has rapport with Daniel Jones, and he's healthy right now. And we know that when he's healthy, he produces. So, ergo, I'm seeing him having a big game in this one. Obviously, the Steelers have a, a pretty good defense, um, but I think they've been a little bit susceptible to the tight end. Um, obviously, they're going to be able to double him, but Evan Ingram is one of those guys that's just kind of like a physical freak sort of thing. Um, so, we know that he features in that offense, and we know that he has the skill, and we know that there are, isn't going to be any real competition um for catches there um they can't just be handing the ball off to saquon nonstop. and again i think they're gonna be playing from behind in this one so they're gonna have to air it out to a certain extent therefore evan ingram's gonna be the one to benefit minka i've seen uh the the matchup with minka fitzpatrick this week and evan ingram be one that's featured for a lot of people so that's um kind of a counter counter tendency uh pick but I like it. It'll be interesting. There really aren't many options for the Giants. So, and, and I have a hard time buying anything in the Giants. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, you're not even buying Saquon, I'll, early. Nope. I I'm will, not buying uh, Saquon. Yeah, you really <laughs> aren't. Yeah. I'll uh, save my thoughts on Evan Ingram for a, a segment that's coming up here soon. 
Yeah, I already saw it. Yep. Next, yeah, no, next up did. on the list. <laughs> You've got uh, Hunter Henry as the tight end you like, Hank? Yeah, yeah I do. Um, I think that... Uh, Your namesake? There is that, and that never hurts. But I think that uh, going up against the Bengals, that's a great matchup, and there are some kind of tough tight end matchups this week. Um, particularly Evan Ingram is one that I kind of keyed in on. Uh, I just don't see who on this Bengals defense is going to be able to cover him. And I think mm -hmm. that he, I think in general, he has just been kind of underrated, especially now that you have a Tyrod Taylor in there. One of these like short passing quarterbacks. Those are the offenses where I think you see the tight end kind of take off, especially in PPR leagues, because I think this is going to be a high volume week for him. I'm not so sure about him, like getting downfield, doing the things that Evan Ingram does, but I think that him and Tyrod Taylor make a lot of sense together, especially when you look at I, this chargers team. And I don't necessarily like a whole lot of their receiving options. I know that sounds kind of crazy. It's because no, they Williams. do have Keenan Hall Allen, but yes, Mike Williams isn't going to be there. And even if he was there, you know, he's more of like the deep ball guy. And I'm not sure that that's exactly who uh, Tyrod Taylor wants to be. I think that for the same reason that Evan Ingram is going to get a lot of attention from uh, his quarterback, Hunter Henry is going to be in the same spot. Um, but with Keenan Allen to kind of draw some attention away that not that you necessarily need it when you're playing the Bengals. Yeah, he's in. I mean, it's not a question whether you'd start or sit uh, Austin Eckler, but to an even greater extent, I feel the same way about Austin Eckler. It's like who on this Bengals defense can cover him in a linebacking core that's made up of no names and rookies. Uh, and also they were the worst run defense last year. Also no Mike Williams. I don't see Keenan Allen getting a ton of volume with guys like Tyrod Taylor. I see the, the short game Hunter Henry's and Austin Eckler's really benefiting from this and kind of having big weeks. Agreed. Uh, Move see on. the list again. There we go. Uh, Raheem Mostert from Dre. Yeah, I mean, uh, not too worried about the Cardinals defense. Um, you know, and I, I, I love what the what the Niners uh, run game is able to do and come out. And Moster early on should be that guy. If you own him, he's a guy who you probably want to maximize uh your weeks early on uh because you know he he might not be your starter all along but i think to start the season he should be and this is a matchup that i think is fairly favorable against that defense yeah makes sense you know i still do have some questions about what exactly that backfield's going to look like um is this a situation where he's taking 80 percent of the snaps or is this a situation where it's a 40 30 30 split and until I see that, I'm not going to put him on my love list, but he's going up against the uh, Cardinals, and that defense is not anything special. Yeah. Yeah. Cardinals, uh, easy easy for the picking, as we all know, uh, because that's a, a truly overrated team, right? None of us are fans of, yeah, of what they I'm not offended by that at all. <laughs> I think the Cardinals are just going to be one of those teams, again, that, Every game they're going to be in is going to be a high-scoring affair, very fast-paced. So uh, I kind of like the Raheem Mostert pick based on the fact that they don't have a lot of other directions to go. I mean, they got yeah. George Kittle, but the ball's got to go somewhere again, and it's going to be a high-scoring game. So he, he will see his touches. But like Hank said, I don't know what's going to happen in that 
uh, backfield. So totally. at least for week one, I'm waiting to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I think now's the time to pounce more than others. Okay, and final line. Oh, and there's another commonality here. We both have uh, yep. Jamison Crowder Jameson here. Crowder. Dude, so this, this is great match. Same, yeah, this is, again, going along the same lines of how I feel about Evan Ingram. There's been a lot of injuries to the receiving core for the mm -hmm. Jets. And again, Tons. the ball's got to get passed somewhere. Yeah. Um, Vegas has this line set kind of low. They're over under for points. It's 39 and a half right now. So that kind of gives me a little bit of pause. But if you're in a PPR league, Jamison Crowder, he just he just gets touches on the ball. So he may not rack up yardage, um, but he'll, he'll get catches. And he will be there in the red zone as well because they don't have Chris Herndon. Uh, so... Really, they don't have a lot of other directions to go yeah. in the red zone. I mean, their offensive line isn't good enough for Le'Veon Bell or any of the other running backs there to really uh, control Gore. the game. Yeah, Frank Gore. Uh, and then, oh, my God, I'm blanking on the other one. Pirine's one injured, leagues. though, man. Yeah, LaMichael Pirine, yeah. But, so, I don't even know how you pronounce that, but yeah. Yeah, and, you know, he Crowder lit up the, the Bills. for He went for eight receptions, 66 yards, and a touchdown in the first outing, and then 17 receptions for 99 yards in the last outing, both those games with a healthy Sam Darnold playing for him. thing is, Bills have a nice defense, but they don't have depth at cornerback. Tredavious White is a phenomenal number one cornerback, but right. he's not covering Crowder in the slot. So I, I think this will exactly. be a slim pickings uh, uh, or e e easy pickings here for Crowder. I think this is an underrated matchup. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I think his ceiling is definitely capped just because the game isn't going to be super high scoring. But I think his floor is also super high as well. So as yeah. a flex play, I think he's just a no-brainer, man. Just yeah. especially in PPR, like you're saying, because he's playing out of the slot and Tredavious White's on the outside. So yep. I agree with you on that one. And then, Hank, you've got T.Y. here, picking yep, on the Jags on the D cold. again. Exactly. Exactly. They don't have anybody who can cover him. You know, he's a veteran receiver. He runs good routes. That's going to be what Phillip Rivers is going to look to in his first game as a Colt. I don't really like the other receivers that the Colts have, um, especially early on. I think that as the season progresses, then you might start to see somebody like uh, Michael Pittman develop into a weapon who Philip Rivers will like to throw the ball to. But until then, the other guys on this roster, I don't I don't see it with, whereas I think that T.Y. Hilton is a very trustworthy target early on, and I think that he's going to get the bulk of the targets, at least until some other guys prove themselves to Philip Rivers. Yep, he'll uh, he'll be probably be facing a top 10 pick rookie C.J. Henderson in this one. Of course, in the last, like, Eight months, the Jags have lost A.J. Bouye and Jalen Ramsey. I'm just skeptical about the Hilton-Rivers partnership. I don't think mm -hmm. he has the arm to, to hit the big plays to really get Hilton to perform mm -hmm. a lot. That Colts-Jags is kind of a divisive, crazy fantasy matchup this week going into it. Yeah, it is a weird one. Yeah. I'm obviously all in on the Colts. You're all in on the Colts. I, I've seen some good data on the Jags side. Yeah, you can... Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll let's just say we'll be bummed out if it's a low scoring like seventeen to ten affair. Yes. Are yeah. we all done with our loves? Have we covered every single got, one on our list? I got one more. Who you and got? That's Terry McLaurin there. Ooh, scary Terry. Yeah, yeah he's he's scary Terry for a reason. Um, mm -hmm. you know when I was looking at my loves, um, 
there's a couple things I was looking for primarily, uh, the first and foremost being consistency. Um, so guys that are returning to their offenses that have rapport with the guys that they're playing with, whether it's a running back with an offensive line or a receiver with their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, Washington, again, they don't have a lot of consistency. They just named J.D. McKissick as their starting running back, which God knows for what reason. Yeah, we should have uh, mentioned Antonio Gibson, that in the news. Yeah, Antonio Gibson was looking great in camp, and obviously people have very high hopes for him. Um, but getting rid of Adrian Peterson and then starting J.D. McKissick, and you don't really know how Bryce Love is going to figure into that as well, that whole backfield is just super muddy right now. And then you look at um, the other wide receivers there in uh, in yeah, Washington. Washington. They've got they've they've got Steve Sims, who uh, I like him as sort of a deep sleeper. Um, but again, he's someone that he's coming back from an injury, so yep. he's not going to just jump back into things and just you know be his old self and uh, be topping the charts again. Um, his name is escaping me, but um, their third wide receiver went down with an injury. Um, I can look it up here in a second. Yeah, was it Gandy but, Golden? Uh, no, AGG's good. At, uh, I'll figure it out. Anyway, uh, that basically just leaves Scary Terry, who, you know, my second consideration when you're talking about, you know, guys that have proven it and physical freaks, he's both of those things. And I'm really looking for a breakout year for him. And uh, when you've got Dwayne Haskins starting, obviously they have Alex Smith there, who miraculously came back from his injury, but he's not, you know, in playing shape yet. So with Dwayne Haskins, um, without really like a tight end option as well, his safety valve is Terry McLaurin for better or for worse. So I think we see a big game from him here uh, against the Eagles because really they have nowhere else to go. And the Eagles secondary has been anything but great in seasons past. So that's definitely a team that you can feast on in the secondary and in the passing game. Going to be a big one for Darius Slay in his first one in Philly. Exactly. I, I, I'm a little bit higher on the Eagles secondary than I think you are. Um, just because I'm really? curious to see how the pieces come together. I, I like Avante Maddox and I like him better Yuck. when he's behind Darius Slay. Okay. Okay. You can fair. have, you can have like a good cornerback, but you know, mm-hmm. secondaries work like offensive lines where, you know, a couple weak links just ruin the whole thing and they have to work well as a unit. So when you bring in new guys on a secondary, they don't just automatically click. Like they need some time to get into that, you know, that shape together where they communicate properly. So, uh, you know, one bad mismatch and Terry, scary Terry is just up the seam and gone. You know, let's yeah. take like one. He's like DJ Chark or Ty yeah, Hilton. True. You truly need like one big play. And, and with the amount of looks he's, he's going to be getting, week. and Dwayne Haskins just having that rapport with him already, again, that the chances of just having that one are going to be higher than normal for me at least. All right. Uh, let's uh, jump in with the hate list then. Yeah. Heck That's yeah. Cool, this is That's my what favorite I'm part about, is the hate. A lot of those, dude. <laughs> I had too many to even put on this list, but I narrowed it down to five. I know. It was tough. All right. Let's see. Ooh, we got two for the Lions running backs. We've got yep. two for the Bengals receivers. Oh, I didn't even include uh, the Lions running backs. Yeah. That's the clown oh, car award stuff. for me. Let's that let's start just... at the top though. Let's start at the top with Amari Cooper. Dre, you kind of teased this earlier. Dude, Why don't you like Amari Cooper? Jalen Ramsey, simply put, Jalen Ramsey yep. is gonna shut him down. Uh last year Ramsey um was able to force a 25% decrease in fantasy production. I'm gonna have all these kind of stats written up on the site uh by tomorrow, actually. 
um, and anyone over six foot one. So the taller wide receivers, the shorter wide receivers, the Emmanuel Sanders, the Tyler Lockett were able to get in the Marquise Browns, Christian Kirks, but the bigger guys, and that's where Amari Cooper fits in, saw a decrease of 34%. Um, and, you know, you look at the cornerbacks where Amari Cooper underperformed under 10 points per game last year. It was against top cornerbacks like Stephon Gilmore, the same Jalen Ramsey, Marshall Lattimore, Trumaine Johnson, and your boo, uh, Avante Maddox. So there you go. Um, Amari Cooper, a bit feast or famine. This is not that week where you want to start him. Hopefully you have that depth, that wide receiver, uh, because you probably drafted him as your wide receiver one or wide receiver two. But I think it's the right call to bench him. Uh, I could very easily see this being an underwhelming game for him while the rest of the Cowboys offense kind of flourishes. So uh, it's an odd matchup, but I would really, really warn against staying away from Amari Cooper. Yeah, and the biggest thing, you know, you can look at how Jalen Ramsey can shut down a receiver, but then you remember that the Cowboys don't really care if Amari Cooper gets shut oh, yeah. down. They have no, so many other options. Exactly. They have good matchups all over the rest of the field. There's no reason to be testing uh, Jalen Ramsey when you can totally. get better looks everywhere else. Totally. That's why Gallup's going to kill it. Yep. Um. All right. Uh. Who's the next one let's just run across the top oh Bengals receivers this is going to be a fun one um this is pretty self-explanatory um yeah it's zach taylor who i think neither of us are really sold on working with joe burrow the new quarterback who hasn't had any preseason to work with yep. trying to go up against the Chargers secondary that is without derwin james but with uh any number of other pro bowlers yeah, I mean, Chris Harris Jr., Casey Hayward, Desmond King. That's uh, Many would argue that's the best trio of corners in the NFL. And you've got Joey Bosa and those guys coming after Burrow in his first game. Yeah, just not an encouraging matchup for the entire Bengals offense. It's a stay away. It's a stay away. All right, what's up next? Uh, Daniel Jones guy. Daniel Jones here, yeah. I think, you know, obviously we talked <laughs> earlier about, you know, the mismatch and the disadvantage that uh, Daniel Jones and the Giants in general are going to be facing against the Steelers here. Um, you know, without a, a bulk of his receivers there and yeah. having a bad offensive line and going up against a stout defense yeah. in the Steelers and a, especially a team that when they get up, they like to ground and pound and slow the game down. I don't see a lot of off, uh, opportunities for them to really be airing it out to come back. Um, I don't think it's going to be a super high-scoring game. So Daniel Jones is definitely one that I'm going to be staying away from. Um, you know, I feel like this, obviously it seems a little counterintuitive going with uh, a love for Evan Ingram, but a hate for Daniel Jones. Um, but, you know, Evan Ingram getting a higher volume of target shares will be enough for him to have a high floor whereas Daniel Jones uh, probably turning the ball over multiple times um, and really not being able to uh, pick up yards with his legs, which he sometimes likes to do when he has those big games, um, is going to cap his ceiling for me uh, and really lower his floor from there. So Yeah, I think he'd be tied with Fitzpatrick as the quarterback I would rank lowest going into this week. Dwayne Haskins maybe right around there, but yeah, stay away. Under no circumstances do you start Daniel Jones in anything. Take Gardner Minshew over Daniel Jones, who we kind of, we sneakily like this Jaguars 
Colts matchup. Do not take Daniel Jones in anything under any circumstances. I don't care if this is a three-quarterback league you've got. Stay away from Daniel Jones. I beg you, people. Hold on real quick. You said <laughs> Fitzpatrick is probably your least favorite quarterback this week? He'd be right up there with For the Daniel Dolphins? Jones. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, we're going to have to clip that one because I think he's going to have a big game against the Patriots. Against the Patriots? He oh loves my. to go off against oh the Patriots. My. He's got Devontae Parker. He's got Preston Williams. We'll get to this. Oh, but my. Oh, I, oh no. I, I like this game for him, man. Wow. This, is, this is where Fitz magic shines. Fitz tragic will come a little bit later in the season. Fitz magic, he's here for week one, and I'm excited for that, man. All right, but I, uh, I digress because we got a lot of other stuff to get to. I know because I would to. love to take five minutes to rank the bottom five quarterbacks going into this week. Uh, like Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Fitzpatrick, rank them. Yeah, like going into the week, but we'll we get to don't Tom Brady have time for this, guys. I know. I always do this. I go. I go off on tangents, but we'll go to the next one here. Baker Mayfield for you, Dre. Yeah, I mean. I'm just not really a believer in this Cleveland offense. It's yet another coordinator and offensive mind for Baker and that group. You know, they've got a tough matchup uh, this week going against the Ravens, who I really think are going to get after uh, that passing attack and take away their space. I'm not a Baker believer. I think this is just there, there will be some weeks where you will be able to get a 30 point game from Baker. I think this ain't it, though. Agreed. Cool. Um, Along then to you, Hank. Lions, Lions running mean, backs. We've kind of covered these, this. So, yeah. We kind of covered this. But, yeah. Is it Adrian Peterson? Is it Carrion Johnson? Is it DeAndre Swift? That One of Swift. them is going to have more points than the rest of them. Who, Even who then, it's still, it's still the <laughs> it's Lions, and they it. still never have a running game, and it's still going to be capped. And there's no reason to invest in basically well, anyone in this Unless you're in a dynasty and you have DeAndre Swift, you know, for years to come, that's one reason that you'd want to pay attention. But I would not be playing any of these guys in week one and trying to win my fantasy matchup with them. Yeah, and we can debate how good the Bears defense is, but they're not bad enough to where the Lions running game scares you one bit. So Yeah, good Bears yeah. D, bad yeah running game for the Lions right. and then such a muddy backfield. I want totally. nothing to do with them. Man. And another one we can knock out that we kind of share. I just talked about Baker. One, Yeah, Hank, you have Browns wide receivers. I mean, yep. that goes hand in hand with one. Exactly. exactly. And, and Baker, you're probably not starting in many leagues. Browns wide receivers, you're definitely considering starting Odell and Jarvis Landry. And I'm kind of with you, man. Don't mess around with any it's of those. Worth it. this matchup. It's not yeah. worth it. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, who's up next? I'll go uh, with Nick Chubb here. Okay. Um, Dude, yeah. Like. Uh, yeah, I mean, we just talked about the Browns, and I think that the Ravens like, Ravens are high-powered offense, and they like to just keep the game moving. And this is one where I think things are going to get out of hand for the Browns, and the last thing they're going to be doing is running the ball ground and pound yes. to try and, you know, come from behind against the Ravens. So Nick Chubb, especially after what we just heard for Kareem Hunt and everything else, uh, Nick Chubb for me is really not going to be uh, featured much in this game. So, yep. yeah, add, a, add Austin Hooper to that group too, and we have yeah. every skill position on the Browns' offense. Yeah, basically, yep. this is. I think this is the biggest <laughs> spread for Week One for any of the teams or for any of the matchups. So, 
nine and a half mm. points, something like that. Yep. Um, so yeah, Nick Chubb for me is just definitely a stay away, especially, you know, when we talk about like for loves, I usually guy, go with guys that are like lower on the list that I expect to really perform someone that you would feature like as a flex or possibly taking over a wide receiver two spot for someone that's a little bit questionable for hates. I'm usually choosing guys that tend to be a little bit higher up that I would not end up starting um, that I would move on to your bench in favor of someone else. Um, so that's kind of where I sort of view these different things personally. Yeah. But, so Tough. Nick Chubb for me is just an easy one to put on that list. Tough pill to swallow for Chubb owners, but I think you're on to yeah, something there. Because a lot of them got him in either the first round or the early second. So 100%. you invested a lot a, of capital, yeah. and you're depending on him to at least be a high-end RB2. But for this oh. week, God, if yeah. you got another option, man, then I really hope you do, and I hope you play them instead. Yeah, like Marlon Mack. I think we'd all advise Probably start Marlon Mack over Nick Chubb. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you, at least Tough. for me, I'm looking at schedules, you know, mm-hmm. in my in my mm-hmm. draft picks so that you can mm-hmm. you can see Nick Chubb going against a really good Ravens defense and a really good Ravens offense that's gonna run the score up. And you can know that I wanna pick a guy that's gonna have a good couple early weeks so that I can, you know, offset not being able to play Nick Chubb or not expecting much from him. So but Makes moving sense. along. Yep. Yeah, uh, I see North QBs for you there, Dre. Yeah, all of them, dude. Obviously, Trubisky, you're not starting. Um, mm-hmm. Stafford, I like that Bears defense enough to where you know, like, say, say maybe I went quarterback by committee, and I'm looking at Stafford and Big Ben. Uh, I'm opting for Big Ben against the Giants over a guy like Stafford in a week like the Bears. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, not super high and don't think um, he's really going to feast on this Vikings defense. And Kirk Cousins on the other side, the Packers defense is very good. It's going to take a minute for that Vikings offense, especially the passing offense under a more run-heavy approach under Gary Kubiak to get going without Stefan Diggs. So, yeah, I think if you have options, and in almost all these cases, you probably have a backup that's ranked not too far off your NFC North starter, opt for the backup. Yep, I totally agree. And I had Kirk Cousins as my next guy up on my hate list. Yeah. Basically for the reasons that you just yep. said. I mean, again, this Packers defense, they they were they have the uh best uh pass rush duo in terms of sacks produced last year. They're both back with Kenny Clark in between them. You look at the corners, I mean, you know, yeah, first of all, you look at the great. Vikings Vikings receivers, it's Thielen and then it's a rookie. And when you look at the Packers corners, you have Jair Alexander, who should be able to just take Thielen out of the game. I love the rest of that secondary. I think that, uh, yeah, there's no reason to be touching Kirk Cousins this week. Yeah. Honestly, both both North divisions not looking too hot. Between the NFC North, mm-hmm. with all the guys I just mentioned, we just, you know, uh, crapped all over the Browns and the Bengals offenses in our hate. So, you know, uh, AFC North, NFC North, if it's not the Steelers or Ravens, we're staying away from just about everyone. I like it. Uh, who's up next? Uh, Tom we'll Brady. Talk about Tom guy. Brady for a second. Let's yeah. do it. We both, Dre and I, both have him. Uh, Tom Brady. I mean, obviously he's aging. He's coming into a brand new offense. Um, he's going up against the Saints here, who have a good defense and who also have a good offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first week of the season. There's so many different things here. Where uh, I mean, I'll talk more about this Buccaneers team in general later on, but. Tom Brady in general, I think people really, you know, in in a real life setting, Tom Brady is obviously a very good quarterback. He's 
uh, an easy Hall of Famer. He's one of the best of all time. You know, whatever you want to say about him. Obviously, Jerry's sure, can sure. disagree with that. No, no. Uh, he's career a guy in the best award, two decades. Yeah, career award, uh, no, no, sure. Career award, at this I point, agree. But at yeah. this point in his career, right. I mean, it's really at this age going to a new team, yeah. uh, it's going to be tough. Um, yep. So even no beyond that, yeah, with no off, I was just going to say, figuring everything else into that with no offseason and everything else. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, even when Tom Brady was at his best, he was never a marquee exactly. fantasy exactly. player. Yeah. So, like, even in his best seasons where he had, like, you know, like all these different guys, like your Randy Mosses and whoever else, like Julian Edelman at his prime and everything else, like, you know, the highest you were ever getting out of Tom Brady in a season-long setting was maybe, like, QB7, QB8, you know? And that's yeah. when he was at his best, and this is not his best. Yep. Uh, it's going to be a brand-new offense and everything else. Maybe somewhere down the line they start clicking and, you know, things turn around for them. But in week one, I want absolutely nothing to do with them. So, 20 years he's played under the same offense, same verbiage, same type of concepts. It's been adapted with new OCs. You know, they went from, you know, Bill O'Brien and Josh McDaniels, and it goes back even further to Charlie Weiss. But it's still been the same structure, that same offense. Now it's week one, new offense, new offensive line, new coaches, new everything against a very, very talented Saints defense. Why would you mess around with Tom Brady in this week? Well, if you wanted to mess around, I think that it'd probably be because I, you know, there's a good chance in my mind that this turns into a shootout. And it isn't a good enough chance in my mind to start Tom Brady. I would much rather just play your luck on the waiver wire and grab somebody. But I do think that in hindsight, a week from now when we're doing this again, we might say, Okay, this week we're taking Tom Brady. We're not going to screw this up again because I really do think that with all those weapons there and the fact that this is Tom Brady, there is a real chance that they're able to put up a lot of points and go back and forth with the Saints team. It's not worth it, though. It's not worth the risk at this point until you've seen him do it before, especially against against a good defense like this one. Yeah, we saw it with Peyton. takes a while sometimes to get going, and I expect that to happen with Brady. All right, right. you've got what? Ingram's the only one left for you, Hank. We've covered all of mine, and we've got Jordan Howard for Guy. So who wants to go first? The great Evan Ingram debate, the only name on both a love and a hate list? Or do we knock out Jordan Howard first? I'll I'll start with Jordan Howard because I know that this other one's going to take a minute. Uh, (laughs) Jordan Howard, I mean, you've got – yeah. This is a team that has probably the worst offensive line in the NFL. Remind people where Jordan Howard even still plays. Uh, the Dolphins. There you <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah, I guess go. yeah, that needs reminding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so the Dolphins have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, and Jordan Howard really hasn't produced since you know the Nixon era. So <laughs> I have no faith in him actually showing up in this game. And again, this is one that they're going to be playing from behind, I think, because it's the Patriots. Um, this is a... Like I said, in my love for Fitzmagic, this is where he just starts airing it out and gunning it all over the place. That means that Jordan Howard is going to be pass blocking so that Fitzmagic just doesn't go down in a heap. So really, I think that's all he's going to feature in this game is as an extra pass blocker and not as a fantasy asset, as someone who's really going to benefit your team. And he's, you know, maybe he gets some touches, but they're not going to be productive touches. He's going to be averaging like maybe like two and a half, three yards of carry. Yeah. And he's not going to be there in the red zone where you'd like him to be. Um, you'll be seeing Devontae Parker and Preston Williams uh, and even Mike Kosicki as well. And Jordan Howard really isn't going to see any 
piece of that work. So um, if you did draft him, uh, you know, you could be hopeful, I guess. But this is one where I hope you've got other options and you can leave him on your bench so that maybe down the road you can kind of assess that situation a little bit more uh, and not against a front seven like the Patriots. Yeah. Agreed. Interesting enough, last kind of reports on this was that Howard would get a greater split over Matt Breda, but we'll see how that plays out. That's, That's an interesting the other thing is, one yeah, they're monitor. kind of like committee backfield situation. It, even if Jordan Howard had 100% of the shares, I wouldn't take him. But now that he has to share that with Matt Breda, like you said, <laughs> yeah, just stay away, man. I understand yep. that you drafted him and you had high hopes, but at least for this week, just wait and see. All right, Evan Ingram. I think oh. that we've, Dre pretty much said my thought, and that is that the Steelers are only worried about two. Yes. Oh, Minka well, Fitzpatrick, maybe. right? Okay, yeah. They will be exactly. All you need to One say. name, two names, but yeah, it's Minka Fitzpatrick. And I, and I think that when you're the Steelers' defense, you have two things you have to worry about, and nothing else in the world matters. Yeah. You need to stop Saquon. You need to stop Evan Ingram. Yeah. You put Minka on Evan Ingram and I think that's enough to just shut him down and then you put the rest of the defense toward getting at Daniel Jones and stopping Saquon we'll see man I hope we can revisit this next week and <laughs> uh you know call one or the other out but I think that Evan Ingram has the physical tools uh to outduel Micah Fitzpatrick and I mean even if it's not like a super like high ceiling game he's going to be getting catches uh, and in a PPR league, that's going to be enough to get you your 10, 12 points, which out of a tight end, I'd be super happy with that, especially a guy that you took probably in, what, the seventh, eighth round. So, Yeah, I think the disagreement here is Hank feels there's not much floor. You think there's a fairly safe floor, oh, yeah. and then you can always get a, a garbage a garbage time touchdown or something from Ingram. Exactly. There's enough potential on top of, of that with all the looks to have like even, an even bigger game. One touchdown turns that into an 18-point game all of a sudden. Sure. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I tend to side with Hank just because I'm such a Giants hater, but I could see yeah. it. I could see it. I don't think you're Such that far Giants off. Um, yeah. To me, like this Giants team going up against the Steelers defense, I just think like it's not it's not that all of the production won't be shifted to Evan Ingram and to Saquon. It's just that there won't be enough to even split between two mouths. Yeah, we'll see. I'll be interested to check that out next week. All right. Uh, should we get into our... Uh, groups to watch or the things that we want to see what we're really keeping yeah. an eye on i mean it was first. a perfect transition we just i just said those are things we're going to check out next week you could say as far as things we're going to check out this week here are the things we're looking for i, I <laughs> set it up that on a platter for <laughs> before, that before been we good. do that we should talk about DraftKings. i think okay yeah, we can do course. that too uh DraftKings sportsbook is the number one rated sportsbook app in the united states uh, it is uh, a great place for you guys to be betting right now uh, with NFL games right around the corner. You know, I think we all have a bunch of bets that we all like this week. You know, I've started running through and finding some of the things I like. Uh, shout out the Packers and the Bears, which is the opposite of what I think you guys are going with based on the previous conversations we've Pretty had. Much. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. And the fun part is, if you're right, you get money, and uh, that's mm -hmm. what makes the betting so much fun. But even if we disagree on some things, there is one thing we will not disagree on, 
And that is that the Chiefs will not lose by 100 points. And that's relevant because in week one, DraftKings is offering everybody who uses DraftKings Sportsbook the opportunity to take the Kansas City Chiefs plus 101 points. Again, all users. This isn't just for new users. That means that even if the Chiefs lose by 100 points, you'll still win your bet. Uh, It's a great deal. It's basically them giving away free money. So take advantage and then win your own money while you're there too. Uh, You can download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week one, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code DNVR during sign-up. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older, Colorado only, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And now right. for things we're looking for in this upcoming week. Oh, what a transition guy. Yeah. Nailed it. All right. Let's see. Is there any... So, Guy has the Buccaneers. I'm just I mean, going to take... Me and looking Dre... at the Buccaneers. Yep. You know, I, yeah, I'm just going to take this one to start here. Okay, you uh, take it first. The Buccaneers, obviously, are going to be a super entertaining experiment this season. It's going to be... In my mind, just it's going to be like a car crash. It's going to be a disaster, but it's one that oh, you wow. can't look away from. Uh, I think, I mean, you've got Rob Gronkowski, who I don't know what they're really expecting out of Rob Gronkowski because obviously they want, you know, Super Bowl winning Gronk back, but he's been out of football and he's oft injured. Uh, I, I, his ceiling to me is super capped. Um, there are a lot of people I saw in drafts taking him in like the seventh, eighth round, and it was just like blowing my mind that people actually went that far to think that he would be relevant. Uh, Mike Evans, like we've talked about before, yeah. Um, I think that you know, outs- he had like two like enormous games last season, but outside of that, he was still like you know he had he had uh, weeks where he was finishing as like the wide receiver like thirty something, forty something. Like, there were a lot of games where he was really disappointing, even though he had those two just gigantic, massive games down the stretch. Um, outside of that, he was, uh, you know, the picture of inconsistency. Um, and now you bring in a new quarterback that doesn't like to take as many chances as Jameis Winston, so I'm out mm. on that. Chris Godwin, you know, he'll probably be a safe floor type of guy, but I don't think he has the same ceiling as he did last season. Um, he had that big breakout, but he doesn't have, um, you know, years Second of consistency. Second receiver in all of fantasy, we must remember. Yeah, we must remember that. But at the same time, yeah, that was one year. So outside of that, like, I don't think he has enough of a track record to show that he's going to be a guy that can really overcome a lot of adversity. And then we've already talked about the Buccaneers uh, running back situation and how much of a train wreck that is. Mm -hmm. Um, This whole thing is just going to be crazy. It's going to be entertaining to watch to a certain extent. But in terms of fantasy, I'm staying the hell away from it. I want nothing to do with it. So... Uh, the Buccaneers as a whole, obviously I'm going to be watching them to see what happens, um, but I'm not going to be taking part in it myself. So that's just me. I'm still holding out hope that uh, Ronald Jones can do something. Um, I'm really monitoring that situation to see if any of these running backs are viable in fantasy. Yeah, I think to me, Godwin's the one guy who I trust in that offense. I think that he's pretty close to like your perfect receiver for Tom Brady. You know, he's the route runner. He's underneath guy. You play him in the slot and he's really, really good at football, which just makes it all the more better. Uh, Outside of that though, there are a lot of question marks. You know, Gronk, I like a lot better in the non PPR leagues. 
I think that if you're just playing standard, he's going to be one of their big red zone targets. And that's what he's always been. I think that there's a good chance that if you're just going week to week saying, hopefully he scores me a touchdown this week, I'm not so you're relying on that Buccaneers offense to be uh, one of the better offenses in football, which I think is on the board. But outside of that, during like just normal between the 20 situations, I'm not really sure what Gronk is going to provide. Um, could be wrong though. Mike Locking. Evans, you outlined the, uh, the, your thought process. Well, and I pretty much agree with you there. I will say the one guy who I kind of have some hope for, Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette. And I know that you guys don't like this. And I know we've had these talks before, but that is a talented running back. And maybe that's why we're watching this though. Yeah. But those Jaguars teams were no good. And maybe putting him in a better situation with Tom Brady, you know, he did have 76 catches last year. Yeah. Why can't he do that again? Now that he has Tom Brady, you know, I, I do think that there's some value there. It could turn out that it could be Keyshawn Vaughn. Who's the guy, or it could be Ronald Jones. Who's the guy. But uh, at this point, you just have to wait and see and then try to swoop up the guy who winds up taking the job. You know who Leonard Fournette is to me? He's the football version of Matt Duchesne. He Mm. is the reason, he is the toxicity in that locker room. We're now hearing how relieved all those Jags players are that he's gone. We see him trashing his former teammates on his way out, saying this is the first time he's going to be playing with an actual quarterback. Is and he he's trying to he's trying to jump to a new team that he thinks is, is going to make the playoffs. This, to me, has Matt Duchesne written all over it. It looks like he's got talent, but really he is the one that's the problem in the locker room who's detrimental to his team, and he's going to be part of the downfall of that Buccaneers team. I think you're absolutely 100% dead wrong about Leonard Fournette. Uh, we'll obviously see this season what see. happens. And That's the proof, as see. they say, will be in the pudding. That's why we all want to see this. But Leonard Fournette, to me, he's the Matt Duchesne of football, at least in the current football. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that just Sean McCoy also in that. This, <laughs> yeah. this isn't take time. The... This is what we're watching for because we don't this know what's a... going to happen. Obviously, uh, you guys are on different Edward spectrums Edward because Edward we're trying Edward to see what's going to happen. Shh, be quiet. <laughs> be quiet. You've ruined the segment. Go, go to the next one. Go All to right. the next okay. one. Next what are you okay. doing? This isn't what the segment is. It's what we're watching. It's not okay, the Dre. Buccaneers offense, oh. which we've done for three <laughs> episodes already. <laughs> Um, All right, Dre, Dre. Antonio Gibson, you want to take off on that? The J.D. McKissick thing is insane. (laughs) But if Antonio Gibson is really the guy, I need to see that because that could be interesting. And he could be, you know, he could be that rare receiving back that we're all looking for. We're all searching Mm -hmm. for the Mr. Hybrid here in our PPR league. So He'd be really interesting to watch, but as any statistician will remind you, he only had like 33 touches at Memphis last year. Only 33 carries, but 8.4 yards per carry. That man is a monster. He's going to be taking over that starting job very soon. Extrapolating on a small sample size is... It's very, you know, high risk. I'm really high on Bryce Love, too, so I got to see what happens in that backfield. Because, again, J.D. McKissick's the starter, so I, I have no clue. That's not yeah, that, that won't be. That I'm cool. I'm ready to buy. You best believe next week I'm hyping up Gibson. I'm hyping up Bryce Love, or I may be crapping all over a JD McKissick. We'll see. One of those <laughs> oh, is happening in next next Tuesday. <laughs> yep. So tune in. 
<laughs> All right, Hank. Okay. Let's uh, hear about those Rams, oh, the Rams RVs, running backs. Man. Yeah. Um, basically, because of the way the depth chart shook out, um, yep. you know, if, if KM Akers had been the number one, I'd be like, yep, we're riding him all the way. With KM Akers being the number three back there, and in my mind, by far the most talented, just stay away. But the point of this segment is to talk about we're watching it instead of saying just say, stay away. Uh, so watch it, I guess, and, and figure out what this breakdown looks like because I, I really do think that by the end of the season, Cam Akers is going to make himself the guy. You'd hope to see some flashes early that would make you think that he's going to be getting there soon. Interesting trend with all these rookie running backs. Jonathan Taylor's not the starter. Antonio Gibson's mm -hmm. not the starter. Cam Akers is the third guy. So he's behind Henderson and Malcolm Brown. I think Malcolm Brown is listed as a starter. Jeez, Louise, stay away from yep. that backfield until yep. Cam Akers is the starter. Man. Yep. That's more of a waiting patiently than what to watch for. It is. That's terrible. Uh, but you terrible. still have to watch in order to, you know, wait patiently. Uh, you got a monitor. Out, so. That's that's right. That's right. Uh, fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Who is up next? I'll go with David Johnson on this there one. You go. Um, Thursday is going to be tough for them because obviously there's going to be a lot of uh, ghosts of what could have been for them in last year's playoffs. It's the first game of the season. The Chiefs are a tough opponent. Uh, I believe it's in Kansas City, which or I don't even know if they'll have fans. So um, that sort of thing may or may not figure into it. Um, David Johnson's on a brand new team. But at the same time, I think that Bill O'Brien is one of those guys that uh, when he gets painted as someone who's made a mistake, He's going to do everything he can to try and prove all those people wrong. So I think he's going to be sort of, uh, he's going to be lured by that, um, the sunk cost fallacy there. Mm. Uh, and he's he's going to be kind of pressured by himself um, to try to feature David Johnson as much as possible. Um, we obviously have to see how he'll feature in a new offense, how he'll come back from his injury, um, how they'll play against the Chiefs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I have David Johnson in several different leagues just because he seemed like someone who, at his value in the draft, um, could repay that pretty well, especially as someone who would figure to be either your RB3 or a flex based on how you were drafting at that point. Um, so I'm really interested to see how he features in that Texans offense. I don't think it's one that, you know, you're going to look week one and just be like, oh, yeah, now I know exactly what's going to happen with David Johnson, but I still will draw a lot from this game uh, based on, you know, how healthy he looks and what kind of role he features in that offense. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, the Bills running backs from Dre. What's up with them? Yeah, I mean, I once we started doing the rankings for the running backs, I had David Singletary real high. And then I just kept, the more I looked into it, the more he just kept going lower and lower. And I think Zach Moss has some real juice to take over in that backfield for him. It's an interesting matchup with the Jets. I think those two defenses are maybe better, or I think that defense is better than uh, teams give it credit for. But with Josh Allen and his inconsistencies, you're going to need a reliable running game. And if Zach Moss could take over, that's huge value. If David Singletary can keep his hold on the running gap, that's huge value. Like whoever wins out this battle early on will be a pretty significant contributor for fantasy. So I've got my eyes. I'm monitoring this very closely. I like it. Um, I've got you, the Hank. Texans receivers. 
Um, just because I don't know where, like, who's going to be on the yeah. field, where that ball is right. going to go. And this is going to be a big week in figuring that out. You know, we have our bet, uh, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, uh, and a third guy who I can't Brandon remember. Brandon Cooks, who uh, we didn't cover this in the news, but Brandon Cooks looks like he might be out with injury in this game as well. So Terrible. It's already begun, man. And this looks like it's going to be a Will Fuller game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think this is one we'll all be watching. But, Hank, I'll let you finish your point there. Yeah, I think that you really just have to watch him and see where that ball is going. It's going to be going to David Johnson, I think. But uh, really, I just want to see who's even out there. And that's my big question. Yeah, I'm with you there. And then, you know, another backfield situation that I think we'll all be monitoring closely beyond, uh, you know, the backfield itself is uh it, i mean the offense in general for the patriots is something i'm monitoring we're all kind of monitoring that but then i really want to see what happens in that backfield in new england with the injury to damian harris man i mean that was a big one i thought and now it really seems like james white might get uh, the bulk of the the action there that'd be a huge play for ppr but Patriots always make things tricky. You know, how many touches is Sony Michelle going to get? Uh, all of that's going to be real interesting. And they can vary, you know, from one week to the next. They, they, the, the touches they give their running backs can really vary. And I know yeah, you. Yeah, Damien, Damien Harris was a guy that I was really big, in, big on going into this season because I'm a huge Sony Michelle hater. Um, I just think nice, that nice. he was way overhyped. He's injury prone. And it's just like it's not an offense that really features him very well um damian harris was obviously looking great in camp and his value being so late in the draft was super high um I, i'm looking right now and it looks like um damian harris is going on the short-term ir mm-hmm. um so he could come back after week three um so he's still a guy that you know depending on how your league operates how many ir spots you have and how many are designated specifically for covid etc cetera, etc cetera, he's still a guy that if he's out there and he's available definitely pick him up and throw him in your IR spot. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of that happening this season where you're going to be cycling guys in and out of the IR, but I think you should be taking advantage of the IR when you can. Um, There's really no reason to have an empty IR spot when you could be stashing a guy that when he comes back from injury, all of a sudden he features uh, prominently in offense. And I think Damian Harris is that guy for right now, at least. Um, So yeah, like you said, I mean, I'll be watching. I won't be watching that closely because until they have Damian Harris back, I don't know how he's going to figure into that offense and what it ultimately means for that team's offense as a whole. Um, but I was very high on Damian Harris, and it sucks that he went down with yeah. that hand injury, um, you know, irrespective of how I feel about the Patriots as a team. Um, but, yeah, it, it's one worth watching as well. I know Only Hank had him on there as well. It complicates things but. more, too, like not having him but having him come back. Keep an eye out in dynasties or what have you. Maybe pick up guy J.J. Taylor, the little scat back that made their roster. He's an undrafted guy out of Arizona who I liked a lot. He seems to really fit the mold of the Patriots. And in dynasties, especially PPR dynasties, I love receiving running backs because the longevity they present is so much more than like a bell cow running back. You know, like, Right, and Sonny Michelle doesn't look like he's going to be on that team for much longer. Uh, right. They just cut Lamar Miller, and then James yeah. White's getting up there as well. So yeah. uh, moving forward, there is going to be a lot of uh, opportunity for one of these running backs to take over as sort of the future for that team. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that that pickup recommendation there. 
Um, I don't know where Hank ran off to, um, but we'll go ahead and just finish up this, just here, you and I. Um, I'm going to go to my next one on here, Kareem Hunt. We sort of went over this already, so I'll yeah. make it quick. Um, but I'm really interested to see with everything else going on in that offense and playing against the Browns and everything else, I want to see how they feature Kareem Hunt and how that affects uh, Nick Chubb. Um, obviously, Kareem Hunt wasn't available until week eight last season, or I guess nine, it was after week eight. Um, but with his suspension and everything else, it was inter- interesting to see how they integrated him into that offense, um, how he sort of picked up where he left off and um, really you know, showed that he still belongs in the league. Um, and now you've got, I believe it's, uh, is it Stefanski in yes. uh, Cleveland who's taking yep. over the offense for them? So you've got a new coordinator, um, but with a lot of familiar pieces around. So I'm interested to see how that all works out. So Kareem Hunt for me um, is a big guy that I'll be watching this season or this uh, this week, especially in a game where it's a tough matchup against the Ravens. Yeah. Is that everything? Not quite. Um, we got the Cardinals offense and Kenyon Drake for Hank and I. Um, uh, obviously, Kenyon Drake with his injury is a guy that I was super, super high on. Um, they kind of they played it off like his injury wasn't that big a deal, but it seems like it's lingering a little bit. So I'm very interested to see just how much it affects his game and whether it's going to be something that's going to impact the season as a whole or you know if it's just going to be a week-to-week sort of thing. Um, I obviously believe he has the talent and he fits in that offense very well and they gave him the money, but we need to see if that actually translates into fantasy points and whether he can stay healthy. So for me, uh, Kenyon Drake is someone I'll be watching incredibly closely, especially with just how much stock I've put into this Cardinals offense. Hank, the rest of the offense, I'll let you take that one. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, like Kenyon Drake is going to be worth playing pretty much no matter what, unless somebody takes his job, uh, which is not going to happen. But... uh it's more about the receivers in the passing game and yeah. really just how good it is. You know, is is it the type of passing game that can support having three fantasy-worthy receivers? Yeah. Or is it not? Because I wouldn't be surprised if this is a situation where we're saying after week one, you know what, for now, Hopkins is a receiver worth starting. I'm not willing to touch Larry Fitzgerald. I'm not willing to touch Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they go out there and tear it up week one and you're saying, okay, this is what, a lot of people thought that the ceiling was for this offense is, is an offense that could be one of the best in football because it is so dynamic. They have so many talented pieces. And if that's the case, then maybe Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald are worth a lot more than uh, we thought they were worth on draft night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that that's just about it. Well, I got, I got one more here and that's the oh, Broncos yeah. wide receivers. Um, Obviously, we've got, you know, they drafted Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler. Um, they've got Noah Fant returning with uh, Cortland Sutton. I know here in Denver, we've had a lot of people in our leagues taking these guys fairly high um, out of homerism. Uh, but I think that there's still a lot that we need to see in order to have an actual sort of uh, confidence in where this offense is going to go. Drew Locke only played, what, five games last season, or at least started yep. five games. So we still need to see a lot from him as well. We need to see how this new offense under Pat Shermer operates. There's a lot of things to prove in this offense. And For then sure. beyond that, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, there's a lot of things we need to see in this offense to actually know um, you know, how things are going to pan out. So uh, Cortland Sutton's a guy that, you know, he with the talent level between he, Judy, Hamler, and Fant, they all have extremely high 
uh, levels of talent, but where do they actually figure into this offense? And with so many mouths to feed, which one's actually going to be the most relevant for fantasy and how are they going to return the value that they were drafted at? So the Broncos for me, not just because of uh, everything that I'm wearing, but that wide receiver group in general is something that I'm really going to be watching so that I can extrapolate from that where this offense is going to go. Yeah, I like that. You know, Cortland Sutton, number 17 fantasy receiver last year. Seems like he can only go up given everything that's going on. Uh, I don't know. I think he's capped out. Dude, you better knock on wood, man. Production-wise, I think he's capped out. Uh, yeah. a, a wager before we move on. Uh, Ronald Jones more touches than Fournette. Let's do, Let's do oh, it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Let's do it. Uh, that's you too, man. I am. <laughs> you don't want to pick a side. Pick a side. No, I Come want, on. Pick Keyshawn Vaughn. You don't uh, want a no. Buccaneers wager with Hank, like Tom Brady over under twenty. You take the under. He takes the over because he's a believer. You want to do that? I could do that. The running back situation I'll, I'll stay away from, but Tom Brady, I think, is... You like 20 fantasy points? I'll take 20. I'll take 20. Yeah. All right. Brady. Let's do it. Oh, I love that, it. Vegas has the point total pretty high. I think they have him at 49.5, if I looked at this correct. Yep, okay. 49.5. So, I mean, it figures to be somewhat of a high-scoring game, but Tom Brady being old and never really having those big games, I don't see it, man. I'll take the okay. other on that. Eight quarterbacks averaged 20 points or more last year, so I feel like this is a pretty balanced line. Perfect. Okay, guys. I think we can finally move on to some questions. What do you say? I think we can. I think we can. All right. Uh, Let's see. Uh, We have one from the website, right? Do you have that pulled up, Dre? Yeah. Cool. Right here. This was from our podcast post. We are only answering questions from subscribers right here. I don't know that we have any in the live right now, but we have LA Bronco 30 reaching out and saying, Hey guys, need some advice for week one in my 12 team PPR draft. I got both Gordon and Lindsay in the fifth and ninth respectively. I felt I didn't reach based on getting C-Mac and two solid wide receivers ahead. My only dilemma is I have is now I have set myself up for the headache week in and week out of which running back to start in Denver, or if I should start both last year, our league winner started Eckler and Gordon consistently. Also in the 13th and 14th, I got Judy and rugs. I may actually need one in my second flex, depending how this things pan out before week one. Any thoughts there? Thanks for the great coverage. All right. If you have to choose between Gordon and Lindsay, Boy, this is a real Sophie's choice in this final game of the week one slate against the Titans. Who do you go with? Uh, I I don't think it matters. I'm going Lindsay. I'm going with the running back you'd rely on. Yeah. I want want to say Lindsay, but if I had to bet on it, I would say Melvin Gordon just because they went out and got him. I think they're just going to see what they have right off the bat. And then later on down the stretch, they'll lean a little more towards Lindsay. I think Gordon probably gets more balanced. touches. I'm gambling that Lindsay does more with them. I okay. honestly think that, like, because it's like the slash starter, because everybody's paying so much attention to who the starter is going to be. Like, I think the first snap for the offense, they're both going to be on the field, and I think from there it's divvied up almost evenly. And I think that uh, it's just a total gamble one way or the other. Do you guys want to make those bets though? You gotta choose one though, man. You can't Do I? Both. It's a gun to your head. You oh. got to pick one. You've been I on just... Melvin Gordon all along. Now you're backing out. 
Hank I'm takes saying, the gun, apparently. I'll, I'll take... Yeah, I will, I will yeah. steal the man's gun and yeah. point it right back at him. Um, what if, Can I just take a straight-up tie? Can I just say, like, they You're will be within one point tie. of each other? Within one <sighs> point of each other is my take. All right. What, uh, this is a three-way bet. This is I, a three-way bet. You must not have understood the question, but we'll move on. Uh, Rugs and Judy, I think clearly well, Judy for now. To Hank's credit, at least, he said, do I start both somewhere in that question? So Hank is advocating that you do start both. Or maybe neither. Uh, I mean, that's true. That's I guess that'd be an option. Second flex, though, Judy Ruggs. I think it's clearly Judy. You got to wait on yeah. Ruggs. Ruggs also yep. one of those feast or famine guys. And Well, he's also been battling some injuries as well. We don't know if he's going to be fully healthy for game one, even though he's in there. Yeah, we don't know how effective he's going to be. Yeah, and, and he's kind of a like T. Y. Hilton with Rivers doesn't feel like a natural fit. Carr with Rugs doesn't feel like a natural fit. Agreed. I think he's more of a decoy than a fantasy producer early on. So Will Fuller. Uh, uh I can go to the questions from the uh, fantasy Discord now. Yes. Um, let's start with this from Joseph, who says, "Long term, this is easy, but for week one." Pick two out of these three running backs in standard mm -hmm. non PPR format: mm -hmm. Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders, Marlon Mack. Mack just named starter, and Miles is dealing with an injury. Tough matchup for Drake. I don't think <sighs> we have a disagreement one. that Mack has to be one of those two, right? I, I think. think wow. I think so. It's it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, if uh, Mack is unquestionably of the three of them, I'd say Mack has the best chance to to produce. Uh, and then you after do. that, I mean, both both Sanders and Drake are dealing with injuries. Yeah, and I would probably take Sanders over Drake in that Week One matchup, um, just because I I think Kenyon Drake's injury looks a little bit more serious, and also the Cardinals have more weapons on that offense that they can go to, so they can keep Kenyon Drake in there as sort of like a decoy, like you're saying with Rugs, and not you know test the injury. Hmm. Um, he'll be in there, but they don't want him to be taking too much contact. So I think that Miles Sanders um, will see a heavier workload. Uh, and so I would go Sanders and Drake personally. Or sorry, wow. Sanders and Mac. Yeah, yeah Sanders to, and Mac. To me, I think Drake is the guy I'd bench, but he's the guy who I think has the best chance of just making your kick yourself after because he does have such a high ceiling this week. Like, I, I think that there is a real chance that this Cardinals offense goes off. And in that case, you're going to feel pretty dumb benching Drake. But knowing what we know, knowing about that matchup, knowing that this is Kyler Murray's second year, there are enough reasons to just take the two options that seem like they give you the best chance of at least getting the eight or nine points that you need to win a fantasy game. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm monitoring that uh, that injury both injuries to Sanders and Drake very, very closely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess you could make the case that uh, you'd go on the safe side there. And, you know, we've got Drum23, who he's got Miles Sanders as his RB2 and mentioned some concern about that. Sent us a screenshot of, uh, you know, the available free agents in his league. Would you look, uh, Adrian Peterson, Malcolm Brown, Sony Michelle, JD McKinnick? Or no, this is Jarek McKinnon. Uh, the two guys I would actually consider are Boston Scott and David Johnson to pick up uh, to potentially sub in for Miles Sanders. We really like Sanders if he's cleared and healthy. Boston Scott, though, seems like a really nice potential replacement. 
The problem with David Johnson is he's playing Thursday night. So I'm not sure you're, you're yep. picking him off the waiver wires. I'm not sure you'll know about Miles Sanders early enough to pull that move. Wait, are you saying David Johnson's available on the waiver wire? Yep. Is that what he's saying? Yep. Yeah, he should be on your team already. Honestly, if you've got concerns about... Is it David about... Johnson or is it Duke Johnson? Are you sure it's not Duke Johnson? Oh. Yeah, me. that's Duke. That's Duke. Oh, okay. I, I just zoomed David in on the Johnson picture. Then like... Well, then oh. Austin Scott is the clear way to go yep. here. I think yeah, so. And yeah, honestly, so. as unexcited as I am about it, probably Sonny Michelle there as well, just because of Damian Harris's injury. Uh, Sonny Michelle, they're going to give him his shot, and this is going to be like his last shot, and it's going to be early. I don't think he'll do much with it, but he's going to get his shot. So really, this is this is the last hurrah for him. So with Damian Harris out of the way, uh, I mean, obviously James White's there, but Sonny Michelle is going to get some touches just to see if he can actually – do anything with them but everyone else there i don't yeah. i like boston scott a lot more than yeah anyone agreed the patriots right now okay next question comes from n wheeler who says start Cortland sutton or Devonte parker Devonte parker that's easy for me dude against stefan gilmore and the patriots though that's the thing give me fitz magic dude give me fitz magic and no run game for that team and I think that Devontae Parker, with his rapport, I think I think that'll Gilmore, be the game. though? Here's a question. Devontae Parker, okay. give me a second. I'll look up the games he's had against the part of the Patriots because he just somehow seems to go off. Both he and Fitzmagic always seem to go off against the Patriots. Uh, that, for me, that's almost a lock, man. I'm excited about that. And, like, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this Broncos offense. I think there's too many mouths to feed. Whereas, like, for the for – the, uh, what's it called? It's for the Dolphins – it's it's they got three options and that's it and Devonte Parker's the number one of those three. The Dolphins are bad though. I mean the Dolphins had literally had the number one pick. But that's or no that's the number part two of pick why. But that's part like, of why is they're gonna have to be throwing the ball more. I think it's, I just, just because you're a bad real life team doesn't mean you're fantasy irrelevant. It's the same thing know. that happened with the Jag Jags in years past. That's why I like DJ Chark even though I think they're gonna lose that game. Even though I'm picking up the Colts D to, to force turnovers and everything else, I think that garbage time and everything else playing catch up, it gives more opportunity for fantasy points. Yeah, I just I, I just have such a tough time taking Devontae Parker against Stephon so Gilmore. You're taking Sutton? I I uh I mean I think I am. I think I am. Here's the thing the Titans cornerbacks are Dory Jackson, who's really fast, Olympic track speed, but not big and doesn't match up well with Cortland Sutton or Malcolm Butler who physical good, but he's not a big corner either last year against the Patriots. Uh, their first game of the season, Devonte Parker had seven targets, zero receptions, zero yards. Final game of the season. He had eight receptions for 137 on 11 targets. And how many so that's touchdowns? a six- Zero touchdowns. So that's a significant split. We'll see if he's if it's week 17, Devontae Parker, you'll probably win this guy. If it is week one, Devontae Parker, Cortland Sutton's running away with this. I tend to say the safer option is Sutton. Just stick with that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that, well, no, I'm sticking with Devontae Parker in this man. I think we can make this a bet if you want. Let's do it. If you're the Titans, if you're the Titans and you're game planning for the Broncos, you know that Cortland Sutton is your number one responsibility. You're going to make the rookies prove it after that. And then I also think it'll end up being probably a lower scoring game as well. 
the over-under for that is 41 points. So even if Corton Sutton does the best out of the receivers, I don't think that you know there's going to be as many balls going around. You're taking Sutton, Hank? I'm taking Sutton, yeah. Okay, Just seems perfect. safer. There's our All first right. non-Buccaneers-related wager for week one. I love <laughs> we it. did it, guys. Yeah. We got one. We All right, did. next question. In from Dromi23, start Drew Locke or Josh Allen? Mm-hmm. Running back two, start Miles Sanders or DeAndre Swift. We're all on board with Miles Sanders over DeAndre Swift, right? Yeah, because uh, Swift's yeah. also dealing with injuries. So uh, if anything, maybe, you, I don't know, instead of Swift, injuries, you pick up Boston Scott or Adrian Peterson, you know? Yeah. Like, But that under no circumstances do you start Swift, monitor that Sanders injury, mm-hmm. and potentially uh, you know pick up Boston Scott or even Adrian Peterson or someone. Kind of have your butt. And then Drew Locke or Josh Allen. I mean, Mm. I'll take Drew Locke in this one, to be honest. I think he has, uh, Josh Allen has a very capped ceiling for me in this matchup. Mm. I'm looking at the over under for those points uh, 39 and a half uh, versus the 41 for the Broncos. But uh, I just see it a lower scoring game, but just in general for the Bills and the Jets. I mean, I tend to go lock. It's kind of going to be a toss-up. The only way I'd go Allen against the Jets' defense is if it's uh, one of these leagues where you get extra points for, like, rushing attempts or what happened, where Josh Allen will score a little more, uh, you know, he'll score a little better in those kind of formats. Yeah, I think that that'll make sense. Um, It it is a really tough call, though. It is a really tough call. Um, I, I think it is Drew Lock. I think it is Drew Lock. Uh, next question, yeah. Cooks or Boyd, full PPR? And that comes in from ablank04. Boyd, that's easy for me. Cooks is dealing with an injury, and uh, yeah, he no, may or may right. not even play this week. You're and right. then Tyler Boyd is like, he's the one consistency on that offense for them. Um, with A.J. Green coming back from injury, T. Higgins being a rookie, yeah. uh, I think in order to get Joe Burrow going, they're going to do what they know is safe. And, uh, you know, I think that, Joe Burrow is going to develop some good rapport with Tyler Boyd this season because that's, you know, where Tyler Boyd plays is where Joe Burrow really made his living at LSU. So I just see that uh, being more of a sure thing for me. Yeah, yeah. Cooks playing on sun- on Thursday with the uncertainty of the injury really makes Boyd a lot safer. So definitely Boyd. Yeah, I agree. As much as I want to stay away from those receivers. Uh, another one from Row 23 I haven't. Uh, oh, is Jake Butt a deep sleeper tight end? I mean, he is a deep, deep, deep sleeper. I mean, I, it's not, not worth putting not him on right the roster. now. It's not worth putting not him right on now. Roster. You are. I mean, because right now, uh, Fant obviously, but same with Nick Vennett and even Andrew Beck. I think will get more touches. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to rush it. Potentially even Alberto. You don't have to rush it with butt, and you're going to need some injuries to like Fant to really open up his opportunity. But yeah, and then right all the now. wide receivers and the running backs and everything else. There's just there's so much going on in that offense that we still need to even see before we even get to the point that Jake Butt is so far down the list on tight ends that you shouldn't be wasting a roster spot unless you for some reason have like a twenty person bench. Then maybe, but he should be available on your waiver wire if it even gets to the point where he's even you know getting serious playing time yeah yep uh this one comes in from nizer uh with swift probably not getting a lot of touches in week one 
Yep. For my flex, I currently have Cohen sitting there. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking of putting Emmanuel Sanders in the flex, but I also have Michael Thomas. Is it worth playing both New Orleans receivers considering that offense? I yes. say yes. I say yes for sure. Um, Emmanuel Sanders going to the Saints, that just seems like, uh, I mean, uh, maybe not a lock for 1,000 yards, but probably a lock for 900. And, and whatever that puts him at for week one is going to be a lot better than what you get out of Swift. We talked about the point or total Cohen. for this game. This, the point or total Cohen, for this game right. is at 49 and a half, so it's going to be a high-scoring game. There's yeah. going to be a lot of yards to go around. Uh, the Saints run a faster-paced offense. And, uh, I mean, Drew Brees is one of the few quarterbacks that uh, he could support multiple, yep. you know, serious wide receivers. So I think that Emmanuel Sanders is a good fit in New Orleans, and I think that this matchup features him well. So... Yeah, if, that's, if, yeah oh, he does say his other option week one flex could be Chris Thompson. Oh, definitely Chris Thompson ahead of Cohen. I think we agree on that. Yeah, uh, assuming Montgomery doesn't play with I, Montgomery, is it still a lock? Yeah, because Mon- yeah. Montgomery and Cohen are basically like they they play. They're both running backs, but they might as well play separate positions because the way they play running productive. back is opposite. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm sticking with Sanders for sure. Early on in the season with the unknowns, no preseason and all that, I'm sticking with the safer option and that's Sanders. Good for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's finish out the show with um, a request from our guy, Flyby Cygnus 2112. He says, please roast my GM for having head coaches. So how stupid is it for a fancy league to have head coaches guy? I mean, I think we mentioned this in one of our earlier episodes about uh, that being a thing. I don't know how you would score a head coach. Uh, and then after that, I don't think there's even enough good head coaches in the NFL to warrant having them on fantasy teams. Uh, and it's also nobody's fantasy to be a head coach. The well, core of fantasy speak is... for yourself. It's um, going yeah. to a game and watching the head coach. I mean, come on. Outside well, of Bill that's... Belichick, none of them are entertaining. <laughs> that's true, though. I would argue we all play fantasy football in some way to try and live vicariously mm. as an NFL coach, as an NFL GM. Uh, regardless, I don't think it's a dumb idea to want to have some like coaching-related league have that separately. Have your own, like, we have a coach draft and... Who gets wins or <laughs> scores more? You you can do whatever yeah. you want. Have your separate coach league. Don't incorporate in my in my fantasy league. We should do the same with yep. IDP. Keep them separate. You want some randomness where having a terrible cornerback on your roster actually benefits you because the guy has ten tackles because he's getting burned nonstop. Fine. Don't incorporate mm-hmm. it in my fantasy league. Keep it separate. Also, I think that we should probably uh, have like dynasty coaches leagues so that you're just holding on to these guys. And so maybe like you get points for like if a guy turns out to be like a head coach or like a, a coordinator to like now. right now. It's like, like, like whoever, whoever called Kyle Shanahan being dope, like all the way through, like you get his points as offensive coordinator, but then he like grows into a, a head coach. I don't really know. This needs to be flushed out. But uh, the only I thing I wonder, and this this will like uh, harass me in my sleep tonight, is with thirty two great options, the brightest minds in all of football. Who possibly would be the coach on Guy Casavan's uh, fantasy Ooh. football team? This oh, so it's unknown <laughs> who he could ever pick. Truly, there's no coach that that really has taken his heart at all. 
Uh, so I, I, I truly, that's a mystery that people will never know uh, what the, the Cliff Kingsbury of our podcast, who he would pick. Um, but yeah. When they open the time capsule in the year uh, 3030, yeah, they're going to see this and just wonder what's wrong with our society. That's true. Yep. Why, yep. why did uh, Mike Leach not get an NFL job, but Cliff Kingsbury did? But that's Cliff what Kingsbury they will wonder. Yes. Cliff Kingsbury, who is the offensive coordinator at USC. Was there uh, ageism involved? Uh, Was it due to looks, maybe? Ah, we ooh, shall ooh. never know. Uh, we right. should also say, though, that Pete Carroll in this uh, fantasy league, a very good head coach. He is projected to score two points. So uh, that's definitely going to matter when it comes down to it at the end. Crazy. I don't know what the scoring is or anything. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, he's projected for 130. So that's not that meaningful. Uh, I think that's going to do it for today, though. If you guys have any questions, you can leave them at the post for today's show at ddmbr.com, and we'll get to them next Tuesday when we do this again. Uh, you can also comment live, and maybe we'll get into some of those. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. We appreciate you, and uh, we will see you again soon.